Alex, let me invite you here for one sec. All right. You want to unmute and give me like a one, two, three? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, you want, yeah, yeah. Give me one, two, three. One, two, three. All right, you're, you're a little um, uh, muffled. One, two, three. Is that better? That's a little bit better, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, so we'll start in a couple of minutes here. Um, just hang tight. Okay, well, thanks everybody for joining us for this uh, impromptu Sunday uh, midday episode here. Uh, I am joined by Alex Lawson. We're going to be talking about student loans. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Um, this is, you know, specifically about the kind of switch up in the rules uh, that was done by the Biden administration in uh, what I can only describe as a politically suicidal move um, to kind of, I guess, kind of uh, try to switch things up in, in case there was some sort of legal challenge. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. Uh, but Alex, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, just before we start, I did want to um, tell everybody that uh, I had... A an episode 
back in August when a guy named uh, Alex Contempasis uh, joined me to talk about a uh, court case that was going on uh, because of an incident in which um, a member of the Proud Boys was stabbed during a January 6th rally in Albany, New York, and he's been, he's been accused of that. Um, and for going on the show, uh, they tried to hit him before his trial hasn't started yet, uh, for, for the, for the alleged attack, but, um, they tried to hit him with, um, violating a court order, uh, uh, with respect to keeping, keeping this information, uh, that was in the affidavit, uh, the affidavits, et cetera, uh, uh, secret, um, obviously it didn't work because, uh, there's no evidence that he was the one that provided, uh, any of the information that I used, but they also tried to subpoena me. So that was fun. Uh, but they didn't end up doing that. So we'll, we'll probably have something more to say on that. Alex's trial starts this month. So probably not going to do it until after that's resolved, but just a nice little wrinkle of something that I've been dealing with over the last like month or so, uh, waiting to see if they would try to subpoena me. And then I would have to fight back with, New York's journalistic shield law, which I would have won, but it still would have been a, a pain in the ass to have to do. So, so that was um, some excitement that happened. That I want to let you guys know about. But uh, now we are going to be talking about the student loans. So I'm going to read um, before we get started. Here, I'm going to read from NPR's uh, article about this from Thursday. Um, U.S. DOE has quietly changed its guidance around who qualifies for President Biden's sweeping due debt relief plan. At the center of the change are borrowers who took out federal student loans many years ago, both Perkins loans and federal family education loans, uh, FFEL loans issued and managed by private banks but guaranteed by the federal government, were once the mainstay of the federal student loan program until FFEL program ended in 2010. Today, according to federal data, more than 4 million borrowers still have commercially held FFEL loans. Until Thursday, the department's own website advised these borrowers that they could consolidate these loans into federal direct loans and thereby qualify for relief under Biden's debt cancellation program. On Thursday, though, the department quietly changed that language. Um, so this has essentially boxed out about 4 million people from the ten dollars to $20,000 in uh, relief that Biden announced. Uh, last month, and uh, it's just it's just a real uh, bait and switch, and and that's kind of why I have Alex on because I know that Alex shares my frustration with with this kind of stuff. Um, Alex, are you affected by this by this rule change? I'm not. Um, I'm I am uh, somebody that has student loans, but I didn't have that type of loan. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't think I do either. Um, but it's still pretty frustrating as an observer to kind of watch them pull the rug out from people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what what's going on, from what I understand, is that uh, one of those uh, loan holders um, was, like, going to sue the Biden administration uh, to, like, saying that they don't have a right to cancel these loans. And uh, this is kind of like a preemptive defensive crouch from the Biden administration, like trying to avoid this lawsuit or something, um, which is frustrating because it's just like 
peak Democrat to give up before you've even tried. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it does seem that way, right? Like they're 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 deciding that that rather than like try to fight this on the merits, they're just gonna gonna give it up. Um, and you know, do you think that it has to do with the politics of doing this? before the like they don't want to have it get knocked down before the election or do you think it's just that they just want to avoid any kind of uh unsettled um i guess like noise around it and just kind of like push it back and then i mean like that would be right the most charitable explanation but then you, i kind of feel like what'll happen after that is that then you know anybody who 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 qualified for this is just that's it like they they like they won't get it back it doesn't feel like they would get it back right yeah. Yeah. I mean, they said that they're going to um, like do this, but then try to find other avenues or something like that. But um, I just first of all, I think the language is very clear around cancellation and the president's authority. Uh, what they where they went wrong is that they cited a completely different rule for why they were canceling student debt instead of the, the Higher Education Act, um, which does grant the power to the president. But I it felt like the Biden administration didn't want to leave the door open to more cancellation. Um, so it's possible that this is like a legitimate threat through this lawsuit. But and, you know, there's so many judges that are kind of beholden to capital, um, even on the Democratic side, like all the way up through the through uh, the, the courts. Um, so I, I think it's probably part like covering their ass. But, you know, the idea that they're going to come and circle back to it and like actually do it to me is absurd. I mean, look, look at the child tax credit. That was like one of the most popular things Democrats have done in like decades. And they let it expire and they never picked it back up. And here we are. What what was it in the uh, can you explain a little bit more what you're talking about there? Like, what was it in the uh, in in the in the program that gave him the authority and, and why didn't he use it? Uh, what 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 they cited was like a post nine eleven law about something about maybe like a it may have something to do with like a national emergency or something and like the the ability to cancel debt under that. Uh, but the Higher Education Act was from I think nineteen sixty five, and that granted the authority directly. And that was the one that like Elizabeth Warren and Chuck Schumer and like, you know, all the people that have been trying to get the 50,000 of debt or whatever have been citing as the Higher Education Act. And that's presumably also the um, redacted. There was the redacted uh, uh, like study on whether or not Biden could cancel student debt. They redacted the entire thing after the study came back, which presumably it was saying that he has unilateral authority to do so. Um, but it is a totally different act that they cited. And that, that one I think is a little bit iffier on like, uh, on, on, you know, the, the authority and like how long it can last and whatever. Yeah. I remember, I remember that the, uh, the redacted um, memo that came out of, of, of that. And, and it did seem like they, they had kind of argued for, for, for a more expansive kind of sweeping authority uh, from Biden. Uh, but but now we're, we're in a situation where they've pulled it back from four million people. And, you know, I, I saw I saw people posting about this online. I saw people writing about it, you know, uh, on their on their blogs and in, 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 you know, newspapers and, and other outlets just talking about like the frustration here. Um, because 4 million people is not a small amount of people. And also it kind of undercuts, 
I mean, this is this is I think like maybe we should start really uh, talking about it here. Is like politically, this just seems like such a terrible move, right? Like, why would you do this right before the election? What what do you, what do you think is going through their minds politically? Because I, I know obviously you have some background in this kind of stuff. Bold so in the what, what's Party. your what's your I, I don't think there's any will to be bold in the Democratic Party and just do sweet, something that's sweeping, that covers everybody. And those are the most popular policies, always. Yeah, so, so you think that this is just like a deeper ideological issue? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they know how to do anything but kind of like crouch in front of Republicans. And the Republicans are the ones that are challenging it, and they're, so, they're more afraid of like, of like upsetting Republicans than they are about delivering for their base. They don't, they don't have like what anything in them to fight, to fight back really. Yeah. Even, even though it would be like smart politics to do this, right. It, it would be a smart thing just to even, even if they weren't really serious about, about taking it any further. Um, it seems like if you want to win an election, like a smart thing to do would be to kind of push this through. Yeah. But, or yeah. at least be or, or at least fail but be caught trying. Right? Like even if the courts struck it down, at least you get credit for trying and fighting back. Rather than just giving up and saying, Oh well, we tried, just like the oh well, the parliamentarian, oh well, you know, like there's always a reason it feels like that they can't do something. I think there's been a lot of frustration about this kind of stuff, right? From yeah. progressives as far as the Democrats go. Like um I mean you bring up the parliamentarian, that's that's a good point. Like uh there's 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 a feeling I think from a lot of progressives uh, that the Democrats, despite having the trifecta, are just not acting as boldly as maybe one would hope, or even or even like uh, you know halfway there, right? Um, that they're that they keep on almost like inventing reasons to to not go further with. Uh, with what they could do. Do you think, do you think that that is a function? Like, I mean, you, like you said, it is, a, um, that the, the party is just not interested in being bold. Do you think that it's also maybe a function of, um, like how the party is being, how the party direction is kind of being set by the person at the top? Like, you know, B- Biden has always been pretty moderate, right? So do you think that that, do you, do you think that it's, it's him or do you think that it's the party in general? I think it's the party in general. I mean, the the bottom line is that they're uh, on top of ideological neoliberalism and that kind of thing. Um, there is just an, you know, they're completely beholden to capital. They need um, they need their donors. They they really work for their donors, and it's impossible to do anything for the people and the donors at the same time because the interests are completely like completely opposite of each other. So they can't ever really truly deliver. For their constituents as long as they're trying to make the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company happy. And, you know, that's always going to be, you know, that's always going to drag the party right. There's no left wing version of like, of like CEO billionaires that, that want to give a party money to move left. That doesn't exist. <laughs> so we just keep getting dragged further and further right because they keep having to do the bidding of you know, multinational corporations that own all of our politicians. And it doesn't really seem like there's much of an alternative right now, right? Like, um, you know, uh, Code 860 in in the chat says, I had to rush to consolidate my loans at 9 p.m. on Thursday because I had FFEL 
slash Perkins loans. I mean, this is not the kind of policy outcome that anyone with like a political bone in their body would want. Um, the reaction after the announcement of the student loan relief was elation and people being relieved. And there were all kinds of stories and, uh, you know, all kinds of, of information coming out there of people being relieved and people being happy about the situation. Um, and now we have, a, we, we have, uh, kind of the opposite here where all the stories that are coming out are of people feeling betrayed, people, uh, rushing to consolidate, uh, even though, uh, you know, I have seen some, some Democrats like, um, there's, there's a, uh, communications consultant named Melissa Byrne, who's paid by the DNC. Mm-hmm. And she has been, uh, posting pretty often about how, uh, you know, 43, 44 million people are still going to get their, their loan, you know, the, the 10 to 20 of their loans forgiven. And so we just need to be nice uh, to the Democrats and ask them to do the other 4 million and, you know, okay. But like, that doesn't really like provide a lot uh, for, for people who, who are part of that 4 million and 4 million people is not a small amount of people again. And, and, and I think that, that to just kind of toss them aside is a real political mistake here. I'm not talking about like the, um, the the morality of it or or the or the ideology of it i'm just talking about like what makes political sense when you're coming up to a midterm and it just doesn't seem like they they really have uh much of an idea about that alex why don't you what why don't you give your thoughts on that and then we'll go to code 860 who who was in the chat there sure yeah um i you know everything they've done to make it more difficult to qualify for these loans has been a mistake they have it now that you have to apply um, for the, for the cancellation and it's only open for like three months and that's a huge barrier. Um, there's going to be, you know, non-English speakers. There's all sorts of barriers for access to, to internet and, and, or even the information that would tell you that you qualify. <coughs> and now they're doing this and it just seems like they don't know how to not water down something really good. Even if he had just done a straight 10,000 plus, you know, plus the 20,000, but just did it for everybody. You don't have to qual- you don't have to apply. Just take knock it off everybody. Like don't um don't do a means test for how much money you make. Just like universal boom. Like that's significant that's gonna be significantly more popular than like, okay, well there's this income limit and then there's this this form you have to fill out, and then if you have this type of loan, you have to do this first and you have to do it by this time. And you know, they every single barrier they put in front of a good policy makes it worse. And I just think that that they're getting, unfortunately, paid, they're paying consultants who are paid to do what's best for capital. And so the consultants are telling them that, no, it's really good policy to, like, cut these people out. It's a good idea to do this thing. <laughs> they're not getting good advice and they don't have the political instincts of, of you know, understanding that the country isn't like the center of the the uh, center of Congress, you know, like the center of Congress is really, really right wing, but the center of the country is not. Um, but they just don't seem to know how to put together a policy that isn't watered down and doesn't have a bunch of complicated steps and and a bunch of, you know, uh, asterisks at the bottom that are like terms and conditions may apply. <laughs> Um, so it just seems to me like they're just, you know, operating from the same place they've been operating for the last 20 years and the leadership hasn't changed. So I don't think we can expect 
much to change from the party when the leadership hasn't changed. Yeah, I agree. And I think anyone who has to, has had to deal with literally any function of state federal bureaucracy uh, knows that every single form that they put in front of you is another like six to seven hours that you have to spend figuring it out and sending it in and then getting it approved and et cetera, et cetera. So let's take, um, let's, let's take code here. Um, uh, you can tell us what your name is, uh, but in the chat, that's your name. So uh, welcome. Thanks for calling in. How's it going? Hey, how you doing, Owen? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. All right. Um, so I got to make this brief because I'm actually uh, going to my uh, union's annual potluck here in uh, like half an hour down down in Jamaica Plain. Um, but so basically my situation is I went to one of these for-profit uh, colleges. I went to uh, an art institute um, between 2006 and 2011, and I was like defrauded. Basically, they um, they did some pretty shady recruitment tactics, um, including they came to my high school and then they got my name and then recruiters started calling me constantly and they were like, well, you can you come here and then you can be in the video game industry, which is something I wanted to do back when I was like 18, um, 36 now. So basically, I got defrauded. And I'm also in a unique position where I, I'm, I work for a uh, public institution here in Boston. I don't want to say too much more. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, sure, of course. And um, so I, get, I can get a PSLF waiver. Um, so I go on the site. I hear, so I heard about this, like, deadline to consolidate the loans. So I did it at 9 p.m. And their website is fucking slow. Um so I'm like there for like, I spent like two hours just trying to consolidate my loans. And then on top of that, like you got to do the PSLF waiver, which that's another can of worms. You got to like go to your HR department and like have them fill out a form. And then on top of that, I have to do something called, I'm trying to do something called a borrower's defense for the Art Institute because the Art Institute got sued um, a couple of times for their recruitment practices so basically i have to this form the borrower's defense form is like impossible to fill out in my case because they're like well what did you do who did it do you have any evidence to back it up and unfortunately like i didn't back up like any of my shit i'm just like can can you just can you just look at the lawsuit <laughs> that's basically what they did to me and, um, so are you? So you're trying to get it. You're trying to get them forgiven through the fraud, like through the lawsuit. Yeah. But you're also like consolidating the loans to try and get it taken care of that way. Like you're going, you're doing both. Yeah, and I'm doing the PSLF forgiveness thing. And you know, they were saying like uh, I was like the repayment plan they had me like the cheapest repayment plan they like told me I could sign up for was between. $437 and $700 a month. And I'm like, I can't fucking afford that. You know, no, who yeah, who even, can afford who could afford $700 a month for fucking yeah. loans? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Um it, it because you consolidated on Thursday 
what does that mean for these new rules? What does that mean for your loans? I had to I mean, like, you get in under the, under the wire or, or what? I'm haven't received any like additional information about it since I filed it. So I'm just like crossing my fingers, like biting my tongue, like as hard as I can, like, come on. Um, but basically like I had to, some of the loans too were like, had like a lower interest rate and in order to consolidate, like you have to go by like 6.3 something. So I had to like consolidate my, some of my loans that had like a lower interest rate into a loan with a higher interest rate. Yeah. So we had, um, and, and this, I don't think that this would apply to your situation. Um, but, uh, people, who are interested can listen to a show we did, I think back in July with my friend Ezra Small, who uh, works at UMass, who talked about a loan forgiveness program uh, that he, that he went through um, and all of like the steps that he had to take. And the reason that I'm bringing that up, uh, cause it is different than what you're talking about. The reason that I bring that, that I bring that up and, and, and thanks for joining us um, is that, you know, he, he was talking, like he paid, all of his payments on time uh, for like 10 years and worked for a public institution. And so he was able to get it forgiven. I think it might've been actually, uh, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I don't actually want to say it, it was that, but whatever it was like, he still had to go through just this labyrinth of, um, you know, uh, different demands and different uh, rules and, and just this entire thing. And, and he did end up getting it forgiven, but it was just like a, a total nightmare. Um, and Alex, that does go kind of back to what, what we were saying just like before the caller, uh, just talking about like all of these hurdles that they put up in front of you. And you were saying means tested as opposed to like universal, um, you know, uh, the, the Democrats do seem to have a fetish for this kind of stuff, right? This, this, this means testing. Um, why do you think that is, why do you think that they're just so obsessed with, with ensuring that. That, that that things must be like as bureaucratically impossible as 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 they can make them. Um, I would say it's a couple of things. I would say that there is a metric for um, how many people drop off uh, when you have to do a means test um, that even qualify. Um, also, there's a, um, like disability is a really good example. Um, it's notorious for denying you the first time, um, no matter what. So you always have to reapply. If you don't know that, you don't reapply and um, they lose, you know, like 10, 20% of the applicants. Um, I think the other thing too is that they're so afraid of the right wing circus about this person was rich and they got this and they didn't deserve it. Um, kind of like a welfare queen fear thing from like the 80s. And uh, I think that they're, they want to like uh, put limits on it so that so that that talking point won't happen. But you can see that even with the top, even when they do that, even when they did with this means testing, still Ben Shapiro was like, yeah, it's going to be like Harvard doctors that are getting this cancellation. Um, so it like really doesn't matter. And it's insane to me to like always be kind of like preemptively reacting to what Republicans might say because they lie. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> They're going to say anything anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, the GOP has always kind of had an, an, an upper hand on being willing to uh, take the necessary steps of just lying and saying whatever they want to um, in order to get their way. While the, while the Democrats do tend to be less willing to do, they, they, I guess they just have different uh, views of power. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but yeah, like, you know, just this, this, the, well, actually now that I'm reading in Politico, Politico says the education department said Thursday, the borrowers who already took those steps to receive loan forgiveness would still receive it. It would still provide debt relief to borrowers uh, who applied to consolidate prior to September 29th. So unfortunately that might mean that our friend there uh, did not uh, get in on time, but it does like raise the question, right? Like if they're going to say that you like, you will get the relief uh, if you did before, like what's the, wh- what's the difference? Like why just make this arbitrary day in the middle just because they got afraid of a lawsuit. It's just, none of this stuff really makes a whole bunch of sense to me. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, I just, it's half the things that Democrats do is completely baffling to me. Um, I think they really don't uh, respect their voters. <laughs> You know, you say what you will about Republicans, but they love their voters. <laughs> and well, they fear and, their voters. I think. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, that is at least good, right? Because Democrats hate us. You know, it's like I'm not. I'm not a Democrat voter, but like Democrats absolutely hate their base. They hate them. They can't stand them, <laughs> and it's very obvious. You know, they're very elitist, and and that like that's why that stuff rings true. It, um, when they're you know the coastal elite crap is because that that is kind of true. Um, and they get, you know, confused about like how much money people can live on and <laughs> that kind of thing. And they're a very elitist party. And, um, I think that that's like very obvious with the moves they make. Um, yeah, and famously, this was something yeah. that they used to use against the GOP. Like they used that against HW Bush, mm-hmm. but now, now they've just kind of, uh, seem to have embraced it. Um, you know, one thing that, uh, one thing that we do see is that there are, you know, a, a people who kind of take advantage of this because you're talking about how like they just tilt further and further to the right. Um, and then, you know, the, the people who are progressive or progressively inclined will start looking around for answers and then uh, they may end up uh, running into people who push them to the right from the other end. It's a it it it's a frustrating position to be on the left, right? Like like you know you kind of like on the one hand you have a mainstream party of capital that is of course like moving to the right in so many ways, but then on the other hand you have a lot of people who are trying who are pretending to offer you alternatives but are just pushing you to the right from the other angle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's kind of what happens in a power vacuum on the left. Um, there's like no leader. And, you know, as much as I don't think we, you need a leader to have a movement, like I think you do in the, in the West, <laughs> I think in America you do. And so there, this is leaderless and a lot of grifters have popped up to kind of shepherd people to the right. And it works when you're nihilistic and you feel screwed over and you feel like the Democrats like promised a bunch of stuff and then, you know, like made it so that like the most popular candidate can't win and all these things and nothing's getting better and people get, I don't know, I think it breaks people's brain and then it's easy to manipulate them and move them rightward. And there's no real like 
person to follow on left, no one person or anything. There's no leaders right now. And so I think, you know, that's what's going to pop up as grifters and, and those kind of people. I know, I know you've been uh, fighting this battle for a long time. Uh, we both have been on the same side of it uh, for, for a lot of that time. Um, you know, what, as somebody who's kind of keyed into the progressive left um, and, and kind of, you know, this, this side of, of where things are right now politically, um, like when you see something like this student loan debacle, uh, what, what does that what does that make you kind of think? What do you see from people who who are already kind of you know just getting frustrated and, and angry? Like like what's the what's the kind of reaction that you see from people about stuff like this? And and maybe and, and not just I'm not just talking here like you know stuff that you see online. Like I know that you're involved with DSA in your in, in like locally. You know what what do you see there too? Like what's what what do you hear from people? about this kind of stuff about uh the student loan thing um well just like you, i mean like that specifically but that also like just as an indication in general for the way that people are feeling about this stuff um well i noticed a lot of people were saying like the democrats planned this um which i don't agree with like i don't i don't think they're even like capable enough to plan something like this but um but you know like there is that like you know inherent distrust of the party that you would because they have done things like that where they'll purposely put a spoke in their wheel you know and then and then complain about like oh we couldn't do anything so i think people are so cynical now that like the second you hear like oh you know this this thing is reversed or whatever people are coming up with like they made you know they they made they did this intentionally and that kind of thing but that's also why i've been like you know democrats are the accelerationist uh party because you know you have to kind of see them in power and see them continually fail and then see if there's like other solutions to to uh to like engaging politically besides the democrats so i think they're actually like more radicalizing than the republicans because uh, when Republicans are in power, like they're so bad that when the Democrats come back, like there's a sense of relief. So, <laughs> but if you want to see a party continually fail you and then look for something else, there's the Democrats right there ready to fail you. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that um, certainly there are, are bad aspects uh, for, for both of them. Um, you know, uh, the, one thing I mean, one thing I did notice about the GOP is that they're the Democrats perspective. This is I'm talking. This is just a very like generalized uh, take on this. But, you know, Democrats will take popular and water it down, but they tend to, like, let it stay in place in some form. Um, the GOP want to destroy it because they know that once a popular social policy is put into place, it's impossible to dislodge. And maybe that's the reason that the Democrats are trying to water it down. They both know it's going to be impossible to dislodge once it's in place. Mm -hmm. And so, and the reason that I'm bringing that up is because I saw today uh, a report, I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was saying that the ACA is like the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, is no longer a focus of the GOP in like any way policy wise. They're not trying 
to take it down anymore. It's not in Kevin McCarthy's plans. It's not part of McConnell stuff or anything. They've essentially given up that fight. And they, you know, they ran on like fighting and trying to repeal it for, you know, a, a, a decade plus. Um, but then now they've kind of given up on it. And the reason they've given up on it is because it's, it's e- even though it sucks in a lot of ways, it's like much more, it's, it's much more popular than the alternative. And I think I find that interesting because it shows that like once you put in a posi- put in a policy like this, um, it's going to be hard to pull away from. And student loan forgiveness strikes me. This is the point that I'm getting at: um, is that student loan forgiveness strikes me as like a similar thing. Once it's in place, it's going to be hard to pull to pull it back. So the you know the Democratic Party's position maybe is to kind of try. It is is. You know, maybe not even like intentionally. Maybe this isn't even like something that is like particularly well thought out. But they're just not they, like because they know that it's going to be in place. Like they're 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 willing to entertain challenges to it as long as they can have some sort of a some sort of it be in place. While the GOP wants to just completely destroy it. Of course, the problem is in this position. And then I'll let you respond, Alice. I'll stop talking. But the but the the. Uh, the issue in this in this case is that uh, much more than the ACA, this is such a popular policy. I think that the GOP really don't know much of what to do about it, other than to challenge it in court. They can't run against it, so they have to like figure out some other way to deal with it. Um, so I like I am I am pretty I'm, I'm hopeful and and pretty convinced that some form of student debt forgiveness will be in place, and that the that the uh, that the uh, the architecture will be in place for for further forgiveness uh, down the road, uh, but what they're doing right now seems like they're just kind of giving up uh, an aspect of it, and that could easily be the kind of thing that just ends up getting entrenched into it. That it only applies to certain things. What do you think about that? Just general take on uh, on the way that this stuff works. Um, no, I think that's definitely right. Uh, a really good example of that is when Pelosi opted to do uh, COBRA, ex- uh, pay for people's COBRA, instead of offering temporary Medicaid uh, or Medicare. Um, and the reason was because they didn't want to open the door, right? They didn't want to have people be on better health care um, for free. And then you're opening the door to, to a conversation about health care. And I think, you know, everything that the Democrats have done around student loans, first of all, they were dragged kicking and screaming into. They didn't want to do it. Um, of course, there was a handful of Democrats that did. Uh, but for the most part, you know, Biden didn't want to do it. The more conservative members of the Democratic Party didn't want to do it. And and Biden had to be forced into it. So they're, you know, they they're going to try to limit its scope and not, you know, they're not solving the underlying problem. Right. It's expanding COBRA doesn't solve our broken healthcare system and granting $20,000 of, you know, at, at best of student debt relief doesn't fix our higher education problem. And um, Democrats are not here to fix the problem, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish they I wish they were. They act like they are, but they're not. You know, they're they're here to, like, do just enough to maybe get reelected. And I feel like that's they haven't departed from that in any meaningful way. Yeah, that's a good point about them being kind of drag kicking and screaming into it. Um, you know, you can, you can look at, you mentioned Schumer earlier as one of the, as one of the ones who was, uh, 
pushing it. You know, Schumer, like, let, let's, you know, let's not, let's not get it fucked up. Like Schumer wasn't like some like progressive hero on this before <laughs> it became popular, but Schumer is a weather vane. And so once something is popular, he's going to adapt, uh, you know, he's, he's going to adapt to it. And so he's, he's usually, Schumer's usually a good indicator of like where the party is thinking because yeah. he's very good at like knowing where that stuff's at. Um, and so it's interesting to kind of look at the way that this started with, uh, with Bernie and then, you know, Warren and some others and then, uh, and then Schumer and then, and then, uh, Biden finally taking action on it. Um, but yeah, kicking and screaming is a good way to do it. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Pelosi was opposed to it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She even said he didn't have the authority. She straight up lied, uh, during a press conference. She was like, no, Biden doesn't have the authority to do that. Yeah, so you know, so she's she certainly represents uh, one one part of it, uh, and and uh, and and yeah, it's just a very it's 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 a situation where if you want to have uh, positive policy outcomes, uh, at, positive progressive policy outcomes, and you're looking at the Democrats as a way to do it, which is which is like fine, like I, like I'm not. I'm not uh, disparaging that. Obviously, you're going to have a better chance of doing that uh, with them than through the GOP. Uh, but you know, you got to realize that it's going to be a pretty heavy lift uh, to get there. So, um, but yeah. So, uh, thanks for uh, coming on and chatting about this quick, uh, Alex. Do you have any uh, parting thoughts? Anything that we didn't get to that you wanted to uh, mention? Um, I would just say that the I just want to remind people that the uh, application for the forgiveness is opening up in a few days. Um, so just keep checking so that you can make sure that you get it on time. Oh, and check uh, student borrower defense to repayment. There's a list of like a hundred and something schools that if you went to any of them, you get everything forgiven. So you can apply for that as well. And are, are those are the, um, the, the the fraudulent ones. Yeah. And it's like a hundred schools. There was way more schools than I thought would be on there. So it's oh, worth that's checking. Pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's, I mean, I mean, that's great for people who want to get that stuff forgiven. It's also a, uh, a real condemnation of the system that there are that many existing, um, <laughs> there are that many existing institutions where they defrauded students to the point that now they get everything forgiven. And some uh, of them are still open. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> Of course, of course. That's the American way. That's yeah. the American way. Um, well, thanks, Alex, for coming on. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We we might be back later today or this evening to talk about the Brazilian election um, results. If you're listening live, it's around 12.40 p.m., so I think it's like 1.40 p.m. in Brazil, and uh, Lula and Bolsonaro are, are – are, there are some other candidates, too, but it looks like Lula might win outright, which means that they won't go to a runoff, which is – uh, the ideal situation. So I think that's what we would all hope for. Um, so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. We might be back for that, but otherwise, um, thanks everybody for, for spending a little bit of time on your Sunday with us. Uh, thanks Alex for coming on and we'll see you next week. Bye.